Morning. Uh, next Sunday after the 11 o'clock gathering, we're going to have our, our annual meeting, but it's like 30 minutes, about 12.30 or so, but let me lean into that. Our elders will lead it. We kind of need to have an annual meeting, but we get to, and we're going to have that focused around about a 30-minute time of prayer as well as we're sharing. So all of you who call Grace Home, part of Grace Community Church, next Sunday, join us for that. Baptisms are going to take place at the end of my message today, and I'm going to tie it all in, but let, let me go, really go on this um, series. Soul Fuel is based around one book of the Bible, 1 Thessalonians. We're journeying through it all, and most often this book of the Bible just gets attention for the end of it. And the end of it we kind of kick into next week, and then throughout November we get into it, because the big focus on what we call eschatology or what we call the end times, more importantly, what we talk about in the, the return of Jesus. But the, the setup for it is critical, and that's where we've been. We'll get there, but today I'm going to pick out two verses at the end of chapter 3 that I was this close to skipping over and missing. And it fits perfect with today as we get to baptism. But let me just remind us of the key verses so far because there's, it's, there's a need to see the progression. So these are on screen to start off with. I'm going to dive in, go real quick, and I'm going to miss a section out because we've got at least 27 people being baptized in this service. We baptized like 10 or 11 already at the nine. And we've got at least 27 because for some of you, you came today and you didn't maybe plan this, but you're going to leave here having been baptized and you didn't expect that today. And some of you are like, what? Um, ears open, hearts open. Be ready to respond. First Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3, the key verse really of the whole book of this Bible, I believe, is this, is that we continually remember before our God and Father your, here's the soul fuel, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Faith, hope, love. Now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. What is the fuel of our soul? The fuel of our soul is faith, hope, and love. The fuel of our soul is faith that God can be trusted. It brings us meaning. Faith is critical. Faith is based upon something that has happened, that is past driven. He has done it. Jesus has done this for us. We have faith. We have confidence in him. Hope is about the future. That's to do with destiny. That's to do with purpose in life. And then love, that's to do with intimacy and connection and belonging. We have belong, believe and become. We have faith, hope, love. We have way, truth, life. We have Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We have learned the words of Jesus, lived the ways of Jesus. Now love like Jesus. All this takes place and your soul needs fuel. And we are constantly leaking. And your soul is contributing in life. And so we have to be refueling our faith, our hope, our love. First Thessalonians chapter 2, on week 2, here's the key verse, verse 13. And we also thank God continually because when you receive the Word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, 
Not as the word of men, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is at work in you. Fuel, we've got to receive it, accept it, put it to work. One of the major things when it comes to faith, hope, love is the fuel we're receiving is from God. The Word of God, which we receive, the message of God, the Scriptures through prayer, through worship, we can receive it, but it's not enough. We've got to accept it, let it go into our whole being and then work it out. Let it out work. Put it into action. Head, heart, hands. And for many of us, we're like, so how do I refuel my soul? Your soul craves things. It will find fuel wherever it can. That means it can be the wrong kind of fuel. That means when it comes to faith, there can be a fear of commitment. When it comes to hope, you can have a sense of despair. And when it comes to love, you can have a, a fear of connection and that leads to isolation. And even your soul craving that connection will step into some immorality because you, you want to get it filled somewhere. And then last week, chapter three of 1 Thessalonians, verse seven and eight. Therefore, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. Pause. At this point, this church in Thessalonica, Greek island, they were persecuted they, it wasn't easy being a follower of Jesus. If they were Jewish in the past and they became a follower of Jesus, that excluded them from the synagogue and all the benefits of the family side of all of that. If they were Greek and became a follower of Jesus, that would have definitely affected their culture, it would have affected their business dealings. There was a cost to being a follower of Jesus. They faced distress, they faced persecution. And the Apostle Paul who writes this letter to this church himself had to run away from Thessalonica because of various threats. And he says, even in our distress and persecution, we were encouraged because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. That's last week's message, standing firm firm. As a follower of Jesus, we are in a war. We're in a war. Our struggle is not just against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. And we are to stand strong in the Lord and in his mighty power against the devil and his schemes. There's been tons of distraction and scheming going on all this week. Maybe many of you received this week an email which you thought was from me. It went out to hundreds upon hundreds of people. It's a new level of criminality that takes place. They no longer have to wear a mask and get a gun and go to a bank and say, give me your money. They extrapolate that money from people in other devious, scheming, criminal ways. And so emails go out asking, it's pretending to be me and you can help me and go, all of that. Can I just say it again? I'll never ever do that. I will never ever reach out to you to ask for a personal favor. And that personal favor then leads you down a path of go buy me gift cards. And then with them gift cards, share that information with me and I will reimburse you. Number one, I won't reimburse you because I never asked you, just to let you know. But it's been going out. But this week, it's been happening for years, but this week it went literally to hundreds of so then on Wednesday and Thursday, my main focus day is to get ready for Sunday. My phone and my emails are blowing up with people rightly so checking in. Is this you, Des? Nope. 
Rightly so. There's schemes and ways, and we've got to look at it and stand firm, and stand firm amongst other things. And then we get to today's text that I almost missed. It's the very last two verses of chapter three. Here we go. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your heart so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Okay? Well, number one, we see faith, hope, and love again. But here's the little moment, because this verse sets us up for what's coming next week and in the next few weeks. And it's really important, and I almost missed it. Next week, we get to talk about, so you'll be blameless and holy. He starts to talk about what it is to live a godly life, a life that's pleasing to the Lord, a life that has holiness at its center. But he's giving, there's a, there's a, there's a thing we need to do before it, and he's setting it up. Just so you know, next week, I will be talking about sex. I will be talking about our culture, the culture then. I will be talking about various behaviors and lifestyles and all that we are faced with in this thing of what does it look like to live a blameless and holy life in the midst of a culture that is anything but blameless and holy. I had no idea that when I planned this series months and months and months ago, what will be happening in the world is happening in the world right now. And in the weeks to come, we then follow up about this whole area of the Lord's return. Pretty incredible, but I'm just saying that's next week because that verse of you will be blameless and holy, he gets into a how-to. But before it, it's this simple, huh, the soul fuel of, I, I pray may the Lord increase your love, not for God, increase your love and may it overflow for each other and for everyone else. And you go, yeah, whatever. It's critical. It's critical. Doing some research and, and learning, scientists believe they've found one of the most healthiest places on earth, naturally. Naturally, one of the most healthiest places on earth. It's one of the few places where the air has almost zero pollution, where the air is so clean, so pure, they even believe this was what it was like millennia ago. They believe that this place has got hardly any presence of negative bacteria. It's got hardly any presence of any viruses, any germs. It is so clean. The air is incredible. And so by its space of disease and all of them things, it is clean, it is incredible. Could it be the healthiest place on earth? The winds, when they gather in that area, even when maybe pollutants or germs want to get in, the winds seem to be designed in such a way that they just push them away. And even those that get in, the climate is set up in such a way that the climate means that those germs, those viruses cannot survive. It just kills them. They just can't survive in that climate. It sounds like on paper, this is the place where humans should go and live. However, why don't people live there? Why are we not flocking to want to go and live our lives there? It's because it's the coldest place on earth. It's the South Pole. 
where it's minus 100 degrees. So people don't go and live there because it's cold. It may be sterile. It may have no germs, none of that going on, but it's cold. Nobody wants to live there because the condition of cold is horrible. Horrible. But there's no germs and the air is clear, but it's cold. Could it be that Western Christianity, what even the Pharisees did it, have decided that the church needs to be like the South Pole? No germs, no contaminants, no nothing in there. Let's just make it all nice and neat and picture perfect and clean and we will, no sin, no, no get out. No, none of you, hey, you're, an, you're a pollutant. You get out, you this. If you know, oh, is it possible that we've tried to create Christianity to be this absolutely super clean environment? Nobody wants to live there because it's cold. When we're looking at faith, hope, and love, faith needs warmth. It needs compassion. It needs courage. It needs risk-taking. It needs anything but neat and tidy. It's kind of uncivilized. When it comes to hope, there's future. It's got everything to do with growing. Nothing grows in the South Pole. There's no, it's so cold that things die. We want to grow. But our future destiny has got everything to do with growing and who are we becoming. And when it comes to love, love is always talked about with warmth. It's a warm word. Isn't it interesting? Even... Classic pop songs would use the opposite of love to describe. They wouldn't use the word warmth for a negative. You know, you'd get these old songs like, you're as cold as ice. I was like, what's that talking about? I mean, it's not about that, that girl's cold. I, nothing to do with the temperature. It's got everything to do with ugh, cold. You give somebody the cold shoulder. There's this uh, cold, icy. We use these phrases that are not so good. And yet compassion and love and faith and hope, there's a warmth to it. And when it comes to the church, Paul leans into these guys and says, it is critical. I want the Lord. May the Lord increase your love. Oh, so when you are asking for soul fuel, when you're asking for the Holy Spirit to live in you and be in you, what is he saying? You're asking for the Lord, may your love increase for other people. This is a prayer that he establishes. He's praying over these people and he's praying something that just, and it's critical. It's like, I need you to be your desire for the other people in the church and beyond Go on, I dare you, love them. And may the Lord increase your love for them. May it overflow. And you go, wow, like what is that? And, and here we have a culture right now where in the West, it's me, myself, and I. Everything's driven about me, myself, and I. We live in the blessing of having the Bible printed and accessible for us individually. But for centuries, when the early church grew, it didn't have a printed Bible. 
The only way they heard the Word of God was collectively. The only way they were able to do anything in growing with the Lord was with other people. And, and so maybe some of our convenience has now become a problem because we think we can gain faith, hope, and love all by ourselves. It's me, myself, and I. And Paul leans in and goes, listen, your existence is to love God, but that is expressed by loving other people. That's how it's seen. The vertical has to go to the horizontal. It has to. Can I just say it? It's really hard to hate someone you're praying for. It's really hard to dislike someone that you're praying for. Is it, is it possible that we need to look at this afresh and go, let me just read the text and then ask a challenging question. May the Lord make, may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that, there's a reason why, you'll be blameless and holy in the presence of the, is it possible that the way the Lord wired us was when we think of others, we get refueled. Is it possible that the scriptures were true that it said, he who refreshes others, he himself will be refreshed? Is it possible that the scriptures are true that it says, consider others more important than yourself? Is it possible that it's true that when the Lord said, love your neighbor as yourself, something changes in your soul? Is it possible that when it says it's more blessed to give than it is receive, something happens in your soul? If we just do soul fuel and Lord, fill me, fill me, fill me, fill me, that that's not gonna ultimately fill us. What he fills us with if we don't let it flow through us can become toxic and religious and legalistic. But if it's a constant flow through us, is it possible that we need to engage in loving others as a priority? And I'm not just talking the people in your very close vicinity. I'm talking others. Is it possible that there are some people right now in your life that are ticking you off? or really causing you extreme difficulty and struggle? Is it possible for the Lord to fill us and cause us to love them? How is that gonna happen? Maybe that's what we need to do with our prayer. So here's a challenge, here's a thought that I had. What if, what if, and I'll speak for us collectively, what if grace began to seriously, soberly, consistently pray this scripture? What if we really began to do that? What if we asked the Lord that he would cause us to have an increase and an overflow of expressed love to other people, to each other, but it doesn't stop there, and to everyone else? What if we even considered coming when we gather in here on a Sunday morning and having just a little bit of passion and compassion that the person sat near us, in front of us, behind us, experiences the love of God greater than when they walked in today? What if we started to 
pray for other people in our world who may be even far from God right now or maybe frustrating us right now? What if we just trusted God and prayed this? What, what if we did that? What if we became a people that it was so warm in here that growth naturally just occurs? What if somebody was to come in here feeling a sense of blame, not blameless, which we'll get to next week, feeling guilty, not forgiven, feeling shame instead of being freed? What if those people came in and they encountered the grace and mercy of God through his people because that's the way it's meant to be, the church? What if, what if that was going to happen? Now, there's reasons why it doesn't, and I'll say number one reason is it scares the enemy to death. He is totally going to do everything he can to avoid the church doing that. Because he knows if there is a people who love God with everything and love others with everything, they're unstoppable. He knows nothing can penetrate that. He knows if we can just to live out the creed that Jesus established of love God with everything and love others, if we were to live that fully, holistically, he knows that is impenetrable. So he's going to do everything he can to avoid that. He wants to keep you isolated. In fact, weirdly, sometimes he can go, all you need is Jesus. That's subtle, isn't it? That doesn't even sound like it's a heresy or unspiritual. All you need is Jesus. You don't need anything else. You don't need anybody else. All you need is Jesus. Well, that's not in the Bible. And to love God with everything, but it doesn't stop there. There's a one another. I belong to a family. I belong to a body. The local church is the hope of the world. The church is God's plan A to outlive the redemption of the world. The church, the church, the church. The local church is it. We have to be part of it. We have to be planted in it. We need one another. And if you don't think you need them, they need you. They need you. So our posture has to be challenged with that. Now, with that in mind, huh, I know I have to take a big chunk of my message out today because of the baptism. So I'm just going to, just give me a second. I've got options. Okay. All right. Let me read verse 12 again. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow. What would that cause if we did that? Unity. It would bring unity. Jesus said, people will know you belong to me by your love for one another. So the enemy goes, that's a big deal. I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen. The enemy strategy is, I want their love to decrease for one another. I want them to be isolated on their own. I want them to feel all they need to do is show up at church, get their little piece of Jesus for the week and they're all good. I want them to identify that the church is a place that I go to to get my consumption rather than the churches of people that we're consumed by. I want them to go to the body of Christ and go, do you know what? There is something eternally drastic that is taking place in the house of the Lord. Planted in the house of the Lord, you will flourish. Okay, I'll do it right now. I'm gonna call out on the name of Jesus, anybody here who is in a season of church hopping. You are very welcome here. 
very, very welcome here. And if you are trying churches out, I'm going to call this out. I'm going to put you on a 14-day notice because the Lord would not have you floating around like a spiritual butterfly. You will not grow testing churches out on a scorecard of, do I like the pastor? Do I like the music? Did I like Sheila sat next to me? Whatever scorecard you've got, what version of the Bible do they preach from? Blah, 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 blah. That sounds to me like living life in a mirror, not a window. I'm gonna call out church hopping and go, if the Lord's calling you from a church, he's calling you to a church. And if he's calling you to a church, he is requiring you to be planted in it. You will never grow if you do not plant. And being planted means those around you in that same garden, you are here for them. You are here for them. So if you're coming to church to consume, there's your problem. There's your problem. Just cause your mama may not been a good cook, you didn't leave the family. I just made that up on the spot. Moving on. I'm just thinking, is that true or not? I'm moving on. And I'm just calling it out. And I see it. And maybe you're here today for the first time, second time, and you're just checking out which church you're a part of. Listen, it's not about just attending on a Sunday. Plant yourself in the house of the Lord that you will flourish. How can you live out the commands of Jesus to love one another if you don't give a rip for the other? It's critical. And Paul's leaning into this awesome church and saying, I want the Lord to increase your love and for you to overflow with love for each other and everyone else. Why? Because that's intrinsically got a huge role to play when we get to next week in living life blameless and holy. You can't do it on your own. And it's intrinsically critical to the Lord's return. Really important. Then it says, verse 13, may he strengthen your heart. What does the enemy want to do? He wants to weaken your heart. How does he do that? Isolation. Your soul is craving things. He wants you to run on vapors. He wants you to crave spiritual fast food. Not the long haul. Not the disciplines of trusting the Lord through faith. Believing the Lord with hope. And loving the Lord by loving others. It's critical. Like really, really important. Really important. He doesn't want you to feel blameless and holy. He wants you to feel guilty and shame and sin-filled in your soul. It's what he wants to do. So he'll throw everything at it. But we need one another to live in unity with that. It's an incredible prayer. Incredible prayer. Um, okay, let's do this. We're right now going to live the scripture out right here, right now. I want you to think of one or two people in your world. This is the easy bit. Easy. If you want it a bit more challenging, think of somebody who's ticking you off. Or right now, you are really do not like. To consider even liking them seems nearly impossible. Or, and you can also think, you can maybe think of somebody who's far from God right now. Or, or somebody super close to you. I just want you to think of two people. If you can't think of anybody, just get the person's name next to you. Hey, what's your name? Okay, you're on it. So, so you're good, yeah? You're good. 
And if you don't like them, that definitely pray for them. All right? You've got two people. I want, you to, I want this to be part of life. This hit me this week, I confess. We're gonna go through a little text here that I've been going through real slow with the men on a Tuesday morning, 6 a.m. Men, if you're not part of the group, Into the Storm is every Tuesday, 6 a.m. till 7 a.m. in the student building end of campus. I lead that group. There's tons of guys who come of every generation who come. And we've been going ridiculously slow through just a few verses in Ephesians 3. And we live it and we're trying to walk it out alongside each other and live this text. Not just receive it, but accept it and put it to work. And that's where we are. It's called into the storm because we're being like a bison. Don't get me started. Moving on. This prayer, I have been, has been, this scripture has been in my heart all this season. I have been praying. I have it memorized all this season. And I'm gonna say for 90% of the time, I've made it all about me. And this week, looking at this text, I went, Des, you loser. Don't get me wrong, there's a 10% for other people, but, but safe, obvious other people. And I just thought, what if I started to pray this scripture for others every day and allow the Lord to put on my heart who those others are or maybe there's another that I just just keep praying for that other person until or whatever but what if what if my posture in soul fuel just shifted from that all the time and even that from last week to no of others Lord make me a conduit mate this is other people. I have a role to play in it, but other people. So you've thought of two people? So what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna pray this, and I'm gonna do it at a pace that allows you time and space to pray it. Now, here's your posture. Some of you may pray in a way, I'm gonna encourage you to do this with your hands, as if it's like, like it's a bit like a pulsing thing, but towards, imagine there's somebody there, you can see them, and yes, Lord, there is something about postures that matter. I'm gonna encourage you to do that. And I don't know about you, but when I pray, I pray better when I vocalize it out loud, but sometimes it's not appropriate, so I mime it. Simply because if I just sit there, my mind wanders. And what's the difference for me? Am I praying or am I thinking? So I'm, I'm not saying this is like, right. I'm just saying it helps. So when I do this, by all means feel, you can just mime it. But if you're good with a, I have at it. But some of you may wanna mime it. That's why sometimes value in writing prayers just gives you a focus. So you've got your two people. This is Ephesians 3, 16 through 19. And when I say I pray that out of his, you're the first person. You're the one saying I pray and you've got somebody in mind. So when I get to the you and the your, maybe you put that person's name in it. And I was gonna, and we're, gonna, we're gonna do this, let's start. And I wanna encourage you to do this daily for other people, okay? Because I look around and I go, oh, good talk, Des. Let's do this. Don't know about you, but if you go to the gym and you watch everybody else just work out, you don't get stronger. Just a thought I'd let you know that one. 
okay? It's not enough just to go there. Exercise it. Ready? Ephesians 3, 16 through 19. Just a reference for your future for you there, but I'm gonna do this. Think of two people and let's go. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you. That he may strengthen you with power through his spirit. That he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith even if that person's far from God right now, pray it, that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Yes, Lord. I pray that they would grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Come fill them, Lord to the measure of all of the fullness of God. Come now. So be it. Let it be so. Amen. Keep doing that. What would it be like if this church did that all the time? So we get to baptism. <laughs> this is faith, hope, and love with skin on. This is the way, truth, and life in the flesh. This is life, death, resurrection. This is in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit we baptize them. This is family. This is about being established and rooted in the house of the Lord. Baptism is this family rite of passage. Baptism always followed belief in the Bible. Believe and be baptized. It's a declaration of my identity. This is why it's the best. This is why it's so powerful in declaring all of it. So let me just remind us of the importance of this. The 27 of you who are being baptized today, on the count of three, get up and go over to that wall, to that corner over there. Okay? One, two, three, get up, go. Then I can continue. I'm being very efficient with my time. All right? Get up and go. Whilst, whilst they're going, some of you here today came and thought, okay, this is, I'm coming here for them. No, the Lord may be calling you to get baptized today. We have everything for you. We have shorts, we have t-shirts of every size. We have towels, we have everything. We have changing rooms at the back. We've got everything for you. We were ready for you. We were prepared. We, we, we knew that today could come for you. We wanted to make sure that we were ready. So we're ready for you to join 
this crowd of people. So far in the year of 2023, this is our fourth baptism gathering. So far, we're just under 150 people being baptized after the 9 a.m. After this crowd, a few more. But I give the number because every single number has a story and every single story has a name and every name matters to God. And so when they get to here and they come up on the platform, it's an identity of Jesus is the truth. It's his life. The words of Jesus matter. What he did when he was on the earth and what he said when he was on the earth was establishing seeds in the soil that will ultimately bring about his restoration of all things. So the words of Jesus, we learn his words. I associate that Jesus came from heaven to earth. The Son of God, God fully incarnate, came for me, all for love. When they get in the water, it's symbolically identifying that Jesus humbly was obedient to death, even death on a cross. When they're in the water, it's the, it's the humility and the expression of the love of God on the cross. He who had no sin, Jesus, became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we receive salvation, which is forgiveness and restoration and redemption and eternity secured. All critical. It brings about forgiveness. The atoning blood of Jesus was a sacrifice once and for all for our sin. And then when they're lowered under the water, it's symbolic of his burial. It looked like it was all over, but Jesus was simply going to death to conquer it. And so it looks like it's all over, but then up out of the water, symbolizing the resurrection of Jesus. It was the resurrection of Jesus that changed everything. Had Jesus not risen from the dead, we would not have what we have here right now. Had Jesus not risen from the dead, even, even non-faith-based, we wouldn't have the year 2023. The world and history shifted on its axis at the resurrection of Jesus. He conquered death and made a way. And he came in his life and we have a resurrection awaiting us at the day of the Lord, at the renewal of all things, at the restoration of all things. And I'll get into it the next few weeks. The reason of Jesus' return and our eternity being with him in the way it was originally meant to be is we are gonna experience a resurrection. So you identify with Jesus' life and death and resurrection. And when they come up out of the water, we shout and we cheer for multiple reasons. One, to encourage the person to go, yes. But secondly, we declare in the powerful name of the resurrection of Jesus into the heavenly realms as well. We are at war and we declare Satan, not this one. My king reigns. He is still alive and he is gonna return. And the power of the resurrection changes everything. And we declare that. And so when it comes to soul fuel, it's on display today. Faith, hope, love, way, truth, life. In the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We receive his call. We accept his call. We act out his call. Believe and be baptized. And for those of you in the room today, hear this. All you guys over there, this is what you're doing. And when you get in the water, Mo and Aaron will lead you in this. 
But the question that comes is this, do you believe the Lord Jesus Christ died for you and for your sin? And have you repented? Repented means return to him. And it's like, yeah, that's why I'm here to yes. And do you declare Jesus Christ to be your king and your Lord and your savior? That's the yes. And do you then, through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you, live with him and for him all the days of your life and forevermore? It's a yes, there's the three. I repent, I return to God, I declare who he is and now I live for him. And that's what you get to do and we lead you in that time and we're excited to do so. So, band, you come out, take your places. Team, get ready. If you, this morning, are like going, do you know what, this following Jesus thing, I've been, I'm not all in. You need to get all in today. Anytime, at any time, you just go over to the wall. Join the line, okay? You'll go down to the front. Team will listen to you. They'll talk with you. They'll help you if you've got questions. They'll navigate that with you and go, yeah, okay, we're all good, or, or not, and we'll help you, and then, boom, get ready, and we'll stay here until we're all done. All right? We'll stay here till we're all done. I did great on time today, just to let everybody else know in the team. Look at the time. Look at the time. That was a miracle right there. All right? Okay? So, on your feet. On your feet. You'll be able to see people getting baptized. It'll be all on screen. Celebrate. Join in, and at any time you like, guys, me, I need to, you just get over there, you get over there, and we make this work, okay? We absolutely do. We've got enough songs to keep going. So worship, it's gonna be a worship morning afternoon, as well as baptism, all right? Good, we're all good? Okay, let's do this, let's go. Where's, where's your partner? Oh, we got a mum. Come on up, first person, come on up. Let's go, start singing.